everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you about a really cool fishing trip that I had the pleasure of being a part of about a year ago. As many of you know, I love to fish. Fishing is a biblical sport. That's why we're calling this series Hooked. Jesus said, followers fish. Basically, if you're a follower of Christ, you should fish, fish for men. Well, this fishing trip was so unusual that I went on, I wrote it down in my journal, and so I'm gonna try to give it back to you exactly the way it happened. I was in Marathon, Florida, in the Florida Keys. Marathon is a small town nestled in that beautiful area. I was fishing with a friend of mine named Scott. Scott and I fished together for many years. He is one of the best guides I've ever seen in my life. He's a wonderful guy. He has a great family. And the first time I stepped on his boat before this trip, I could tell that he was not a Christian. He sort of had the pushback going on because when people find out that I'm a pastor, they watch every word and they think about what they're saying and and they're a little bit, whoa, what's this guy gonna do, you know, on my boat fishing? Well, we fished for a long time together on the 16-foot boat and had some cool times. And the more I fished with him, the more I just prayed, God, you know, you've put us in this boat together for all these hours Obviously, he's not a follower. And just help me to know what to say, what not to say. Help me to not only fish for fish, but also fish for men. And the cool thing about being a Christian is God says we're to be fishers of men. God's word says that. Become fishers of men, not catchers. God does the catching, we do the fishing. I've thought about fishing a lot and how it relates to the real fishing that God talks about in his word. There are three aspects of fishing. And I was involved in these three aspects on that monumental fishing trip I took with Scott about a year ago. There's the presentation. Whenever you're fishing, you're presenting the bait. You're presenting the lure. You're presenting the fly to the fish. Presentation. Then you got the attraction. You've got to manipulate the fly, the lure, the bait to attract the fish. The fish should go, whoa. You got to get the fish going. Then you've got the reaction. What kind of reaction is the fish having to the bait? Three aspects of fishing. So I found myself this day in the Florida Keys fishing the presentation, the attraction, hopefully getting a reaction. Then I found myself fishing for men because as Scott and I began to talk, some really amazing things happened. We were fishing in an area that had a lot of bridges. And you can see the photo of of exactly where we were fishing. We were fishing between those two bridges. Scott has sort of grown up in the Florida Keys. And one of those bridges was the famous bridge that Flagler built. It was his dream to build a bridge from Florida all the way to Cuba. Several problems occurred. Number one, he ran out of money. 
And number two, the great hurricane hit 1935, killed hundreds of people. So the bridge now is in shambles. So it was very interesting to hear about the history of the bridge. And then we stopped at a little marina and this marina is called the Old Wooden Bridge. And I thought to myself, I don't see any bridge around here. And Scott said, oh, the old wooden bridge burned. Wow, that's kind of morbid. And he told me about the history of the old wooden bridge. So I was thinking about bridges and we were talking and I just really felt a prompting in my spirit. I felt the Holy Spirit of God speaking to me, not in an audible voice, not, Ed, now's the time to talk to Scott. I've never heard God's audible voice. Yet, when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you, I think, Many times it's more powerful than an audible voice. I knew I was supposed to talk to Scott to sort of drill down into his life because I had talked to him about the things of God before. You know, when it came up, he would ask me questions or whatever. And a real interesting thing happened. He has two beautiful girls and I told him about Alasso Ranch. And so we arranged to send his oldest to Alasso Ranch and she accepted Christ. At Alasso Ranch. So when Scott and I were talking, he was like, man, you know, my, my daughter came home and she said she accepted Christ. Like he didn't really know what that meant. And so I thought, oh, that's cool. And he talked about how she was getting involved in a student group there in Little Marathon, Florida. So, oh man, that's, man, that's cool. And, and, and I don't know why I had this sense, but I thought, here I've spent all this time with Scott hour upon hour in this little 16-foot dolphin skiff. I mean, this skiff is so lightweight. If you, if you don't stay in the center of the skiff, you can fall in. And I've fallen in numerous times. So, so we're in the skiff and, you know, we're talking and, and, and we're going on and on. And, and I just thought, man, what if Scott died? That sounds kind of morbid, but I thought, what What if he died in some boating accident, car wreck? What if he had a heart attack? How would I feel because I've spent long hours with him, yet I've never really asked him the question, the question. I've never really gotten into what it means in his life to become a follower of Christ. And then I thought, what if I died? I might be the only cog, the only link into his life. Because quite frankly, I don't know, especially then, of any other Christian who knew him well enough to even talk about those things. And you know, I want to ask you that same question. I'm talking to believers Who's the Scott in your life? Who's that person that you've spent so much time with? Who is that person who has your ear? Who's that person that you're with? I mean, it's not by accident that you know them. Who who is your Scott? Because so often we're the only Jesus that people will ever see. And one day, God's going to ask us, did you fish? Did you fish? Did you present the gospel 
Could people see Jesus in your life? The attraction? Did you bring them to a point of decision? Reacting one way or another? Those are, wow, those are some heavy questions, aren't they? And with Scott, I just prayed for him regularly. I can show you my prayer journal. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times I prayed for Scott. God, open up doors. I want to walk through them. Give me the words to say to him. And on this day, I knew it. We were talking about bridges. And it's so, it's so interesting when you walk with God, how God will point out things that are common and then boom, you can use them to tell someone about Jesus. And I was speaking words and, and, and it was almost like an out-of-body experience because I'm not that smart to come up with this stuff. And so I said, Scott, here we're talking about bridges. Do you know what separates Christianity from all the other religions of the world? He goes, no, not really. I said, the bridge. I said, God build the bridge. He constructed the bridge from his side to man's side The bridge, Scott, is Jesus. He lived righteously, died sacrificially, rose bodily. So God has built the bridge from himself to us. In fact, I said right before Jesus died, here's what he said. It is finished. The work has been done. The bridge has been built. It's done. He was like, I've never thought about that. I said, think about the other world religions or think about all the other man-made systems. We try to build bridges to God being philosophical or being nice or helping charities or, or, or being moral. They all fall short. I said, Scott, it's not an accident that we're together. I mean, I'm a pastor And I've spent all of this time fishing with you. So as God began to lead and Scott began to describe the change in his daughter's life, I decided to go deeper into the conversation. I had earned the right to do so. I said, Scott, I want to ask you a question, man, just between me and you. Have you walked the bridge? God built the bridge. The bridge is Jesus. Have you walked the bridge? And he dropped his head. He was like, no, 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 no. He goes, man, I don't, I don't know. I've got, I've got, I've got, I don't know if I have enough faith. I've got, I've got some doubts. I said, join the club. I have doubts too. I said, if you don't have any doubt, that means you don't have faith. If you have doubt, you have faith. No doubt means you've got certainty. And with certainty, there's no faith. The just shall live by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Oh yeah, you've got faith. And we were under this bridge, seven mile bridge, the bridge to the left. It was Africa hot that day. It was so hot, my kneecaps were sweating. And I said, Scott, how many times have we driven on seven mile in your truck, pulling your boat, and we're going like 60 miles an hour on this two lane road, Semis are coming the opposite way. Some idiots are going 80. We're about 10 feet apart. That's faith. 
I said, we got faith now that we're going to catch some fish. I've got doubts because the tides are all messed up, but I've got faith. I said, yeah, you got faith. I have faith. He goes, yeah, but I have questions about suffering. My mom, and he had a very tumultuous childhood moving back and forth through divorce. He said, my mom, my mom has had this excruciating illness for decades. I don't understand how a good God would allow suffering. That's a fair question. I said, Scott, God does not promise us a pain-free life. I mean, think about it. The symbol of Christianity is not a pillow. It's not a cloud. It's not a snuggie. It's a cross. An empty one. It's a cross. If God did not shield, I said, his son from suffering, he's not going to shield you or me from suffering. Part of God's will is suffering. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Obviously, though, we'll have ultimate healing in heaven. I can't make you or coerce you to walk the bridge. I'm not going to do that. You have that option. But I want to ask you, man, will you walk the bridge? I said, you've got enough faith. Jesus said if we had the faith the size of a mustard seed, that's enough faith. And I looked at him and I saw tears coming out from behind his polarized sunglasses. He said, man, I want to, I want to walk the bridge. So right there in the shadow of the seven-mile bridge. And ironically, that island was where he was married. I said, Scott, you're making the most important decision of your life to walk the bridge against the backdrop of where you made the second most important decision when you got married. Right there in the shadows, we prayed, and he walked the bridge. And then we met in the middle of this boat about turn it over, gave a bro hug, you know. And he became a follower of Christ. It doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better than knowing God is using you to fish. Are you doing that? Who's your Scott? Who in your life do you need to talk to, to share with? Who in your life do you need to present the gospel to? Who in your life is being attracted because they see Jesus? Who in your life are you leading to that reaction? The hook binds everything together. We're going to go through the colors. The colors mean something. God is a God of color. Did you know that? Not of black and white. Once you walk the bridge, you'll move from black and white to color. God's a God of what? You know what? Color, color, color. I'm glad we can see in color. Black. Well, that's not a color because black is the absence of color. 
Say black with me. Black means sinfulness. Sinfulness, the absence of color. The Bible says that we all sin. I'm a natural born sinner. My sins, the Bible says, separate me from God. I'm separated from God because of my what? Sinfulness. I've never taken personal lessons on how to sin. I just know how to lie. I know how to cheat. I know how to think impure thoughts, and so do you. Sin separates us from God. So the darkness is like, man, I can't see my hand in front of my face. It's that dark. God is holy. He's just. He's righteous. Yet we chose to rebel against God, causing this cosmic chasm. This chasm that we cannot bridge. This chasm that we cannot, that we cannot jump over. This chasm always falls short. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and, say with me, fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also says our iniquities, our sins, have separated us from God. Isaiah 59, verse 2. So black means sinfulness. Say it again. Black means? How about red? Oh, red's the good news, man. It's bad, but it's good. Red stands for forgiveness. Red stands for? That's what I thought you said, forgiveness. We don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve it. You don't. We deserve eternal separation from God. Yet God is a God of love. God chose to do what? To build the bridge from his side to man's side. The bridge is? The bridge is? Yeah, pretty much any time I ask you a question, the answer is Jesus. Yeah. The Bible is about? Okay, there we go. That's right. It is. It is. It is. So Jesus did something. He lived a perfect life. We say, oh man, that was righteous. Righteous is is who Jesus is. The righteousness of God is seen in his character, in his attributes. Read about the laws mentioned in scripture. Read about who God is. Totally and completely righteous. And God says, if you're righteous, if you're perfect, you can get into heaven. I mean, if you're perfect, no impure thought, no bad mood, no off day, no sin of commission or omission. If you're perfect, God says, when you die, come on into heaven. Uh Uh-oh, but the Bible says, all have sinned. So we got a sin problem. I've got a sin problem. My sins have separated me from God, but God built the bridge from his side to our side. Jesus lived righteously, then he spilled his blood on the cross for the sins of the world. There's something within us. When something bad happens, we say, somebody's got to pay. Somebody has got to pay. God has placed that in our lives. Somebody's got to pay for your sins and mine. Jesus paid it all. Is that awesome? He paid it all. I don't care what you've done, what you're doing, what you will do. Jesus paid it all. He shed his blood on the cross. Life is in the blood. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, you know what confession means? Agreeing with God. 
It's not like we confess our sins and God goes, whoa, thank you for telling me that. Thanks for giving me the 411. No, 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 no. We're agreeing with him. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will what? Forgive us our sins and purify us from what? All unrighteousness. How about gold? Gold. People say, man, you're golden. You're golden. You know what gold represents? Gold represents righteousness. What is righteousness? The word righteousness means to be right with God. So if I'm righteous, I'm what? Right with God. But Ed, I don't, I know I'm not following you, man, because how can I be right with God if I'm a sinner? Jesus has made us right with God. Jesus has made us righteous. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him, let's say it together, we might become the righteousness of God. Check this out. This is, this is so, so critical. When God sees you and sees me now, if we've walked the bridge, when God sees Scott now, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly. He satisfied God's demands precisely. When we become followers of Christ, the righteousness of Christ is attributed to our lives. We receive the righteousness of Christ. So now, it's not because of what I've done, it's because of what Jesus did. I've walked the bridge and now I'm just, I'm righteous, so isn't that cool? Black, sinfulness. Red, forgiveness. Gold, righteousness. And then green, green, green represents fruitfulness. Green represents that's what I thought you, thought you said, fruitfulness, so we're to, we're to grow. So what happens when you plant something? What do you do with that something? You water it. After we walk the bridge, we need to get watered. We need to get baptized. The Bible says after we become followers of Christ, we're to be baptized. Part of growth is, is being baptized. Part of growth is understanding the word, talking to God in prayer, involving yourself in church. Are you feeling the colors? Are you loving the colors? And the hook is what holds everything together. I love this text. Colossians chapter one, verse 17. He is before all things, he being Jesus, and in him all things hold together. The hook, the hook is the gospel. The bait is Jesus. This rope, the thread that holds everything together, the gospel, black sinfulness, red forgiveness, gold righteousness, green fruitfulness, living things grow. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. I'll ask you the same question I asked Scott. Have you walked the bridge? Well, man, I've got doubts. Cool. It's part of faith. You live by faith. Have you walked the bridge? I pray you walk the bridge. 
because it's the best step you'll ever take. And it's what being hooked is all about. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And this is a prayer that I led Scott in 13 months ago when he walked the bridge. And just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I admit to you that I've fallen short, that I've done life my own way. I understand that I'm separate from you because of my behavior. But I believe that you shed your blood on the cross for my sins. And I understand right now that you've done that and I receive you, Jesus, into my life. I turn from my sins and I receive you. Wash me, forgive me, cleanse me. Many of you are saying that right now and here's what's happening. The righteousness of Jesus is being attributed, is being grafted, it's being it's being imputed into your life right now. You're born again. You're a new creature in Christ. You've walked the bridge. So Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for this moment of decision. We ask all these things. Amen. Thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless. God bless.